0: Hello, brothers and sisters, and indeed, Jesus satisfies, and isn't it, what, isn't it the message that all the signs in the Gospel of John pointing to, and leading us to realize that Jesus satisfied? And today, we're in the middle of this seven signs series, which is number four on the list, And I've learned it. I'm not going to ask you what the previous three signs were. Uh, But, hey, Jesus satisfies. The first sign, He turned water into wine, into premium wine. Jesus satisfies. Second sign, He cleared the temple in Jerusalem. He is God Emmanuel. He is with us. God's presence. Jesus satisfies. The third sign, the one we heard a month ago, he healed the son of a royal official. Jesus satisfies, even in our sickness, our illness. And in the first time, when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana, Jesus showed us that he came to bring God's grace into its fullness, that he has come to bring the law into its fulfillment. In the second sign where Jesus cleared the temple's outer court, Jesus indicated that his coming into physical being on earth has replaced the temple as the full presence of God, God Emmanuel. So worshipping God no longer requires temple or its rituals, but only in the name of Jesus. And in the third sign, in which Jesus healed the son of a royal official from 15 miles away. He has shown us what prophets honoring faith should be, which is to believe in Jesus' words and follow them in action. Real faith demands us to follow Jesus, even at times it doesn't seem to make any sense. Just as the royal official continued to believe Jesus, even though Jesus said that his son will be healed, will live from 15 miles away from his sick son, he trusted him. But if we look at the degree of revelation, the first three signs can be viewed as warm-up only. Because from the fourth sign on, Jesus is going to reveal much more, much deeper about his divine identity through the miracles he performed. In today's sign number 4, recorded in John 5, it is about Jesus healing a lame man. And from this chapter onward, Jesus is revealing his true divine identity piece by piece, layer by layer. Jesus was saying things that no religious leaders had ever said. This is why in chapter 7, verse 46, a God of the high priest stated that no one ever spoke the way this man, Jesus, does. And this is why Jesus kept saying many things using the phrase, I am. He is revealing his identity, who he really is. For example, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And in chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me, will never die. And... Chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And see, this is how Jesus gets himself into trouble. Jesus unceasingly proclaims that he is the Son of God, that he is the only way to God. And by that he implies that he is God. That's why at the end, the Jewish leaders consider his actions blasphemy which is a crime that warrants death penalty. And in John's Gospel, the first time that the Jewish leaders show any intention to kill Jesus is right after this fourth sign, when Jesus healed a lame man. So how did this healing incident lead to an order to kill? Well, let us take a look of today's passage and pay attention to what really happened first. And Michael, Michael is going to lead us to read this passage uh, from chapter 5 of John's Gospel, verse 1 to 18. Can you read from the slide? It's, it's a little different from what you have here. There you go.
1: Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God.
0: Let us all pray together. Spirit of the living God, we give thanks to you, for you have revealed this sign to John the Apostle, and that he has accurately recorded this incident. In your spirit today, lead us into the reality of your teaching like never before, as we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So at the end of this passage, we see that the Jewish leaders wanted to get rid of Jesus for two reasons. First, it says, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. So obviously Jesus has done something that the leaders cannot tolerate. And the second reason, in verse 18, it says, for this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal to God. This is even worse because the Jewish leaders consider making oneself equal to God a capital offense punishable by death penalty. Jesus got himself into deep trouble by doing something and saying something. So what really did he do and say on this Sabbath day? The incident begins like this. First, it happens on a Jewish festival. First one says that. and the location is Jerusalem, not Galilee in, this, in the first sign, but Jesus went back to Jerusalem again, just like what he did in the second sign, clearing the temple. But John did not give us any clue on what festival is this, because the emphasis of this incident is not what day in a year but what day in a week. Even though John did not mention what day in the week in the beginning of the chapter, the readers would have no difficulty to realize that it is Sabbath day. And on this Sabbath day, the scripture goes on and tells us that now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie: the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And they waited for the moving waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool, after each such disturbance, will be cured of whatever disease he had. Now, let's take a look of this pool Bethesda. This is the ancient city of Jerusalem and from this picture we can see the location of Bethesda Pool which is right here this is the temple and the pool is here and uh, also it mentioned the sheep gate is right here, this is the road the sheep gate is right here and the sheep gate is for the sheep for sacrifices to pass through and you can see the Bethesda Pool is actually quite large I know if you if you read Chinese it says is that it means it sounds like not so big, but it's actually very big. And and it well it's, it's quite big because it consisted five covered colonnades and it mentioned that there were a great number of disabled people lying there. And in the ancient Greco Roman world there were myths associated with healing by immersing into water. Even in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Elisha had performed similar healing in the Old Testament too. In the ancient Greco-Roman society, many shrines or temples had installed a pool or hot spring for healing purpose. And for Bethesda pool being so close to the temple, it would have been natural for people to misunderstand that it is a source of supernatural healing power. But of course, this was only at most a folk legend. And a Jewish religious leader would not have believed in that. And because the Bethesda pool lies so many people with disability and sickness, pious Jews would not go near it because the area is considered unclean. However, contrary to what is expected, Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, appeared near the Bethesda pool. The scripture goes on. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Among so many disabled or sick people, Jesus has spotted this person who has been disabled for 38 years. John did not tell us what exactly the condition, the issue this person has. We just know that he has lost his mobility and cannot walk. The focus here is not what issue he has, but the long length of time of his disability, which is 38 years. For a disabled person, 38 years of failing to heal is as as good as despair. After 38 years of immobility, would he really expect himself to walk again? Well, naturally, that that does not seem possible at all. Therefore, this lame person can only hope for a miracle, a supernatural miracle. And Bethesda poor seems to be his only chance. And among so many people, Jesus spotted this lame person and asked him, do you want to get well? Of course he does. Otherwise, he would not have been lying around near the Bethesda pool. So he answered Jesus, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. See, when this lame person heard Jesus' question, he thought Jesus was a nice guy who wanted to give him a hand and push him into the pool when the water is stirred, ahead of everyone else. When the Messiah asked if he wanted to get well, this lame man, his sight was still fixated on the poor that would only give him false hope. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah spoke of God's kingdom as, it says, then when God's kingdom comes, the lame one shall live as a heart and the tongue of the dumb shall praise. Now, Jesus the Messiah, God's Emmanuel, is standing right in front of this lame man. And all this man is thinking is the deceptive pool of Bethesda. Jesus, ignoring what this lame man wants him to do, continue with his own prescription. Jesus said, Get up! Pick up your mat and walk. And at once... The man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. But Jesus' prescription for this lame man cannot be simpler. And he did not use any medium such as water. He only said, get up. And the lame man can walk immediately after 38 years of immobility. Now this is a very clear manifestation of the absolute power and authority of Jesus. Now let's pay a little little closer attention on what Jesus said. Actually, he did not just say, get up, but also, pick up your mat and walk. I mean, all Jesus needed to say was, get up. But why he specifically commanded this man to pick up his mat and walk? Why? If Jesus wants to demonstrate that he is healed, walking around would be good enough. Isn't it? Why pick up your mat and walk? We might not know it, but the command of pick up your mat and walk is the key of the en- entire passage. And it is what gets Jesus into trouble. A mat is what the poor use for sleeping. And it is usually made of hay or straw and, and it is a size of, of, of like a, a length of, of a normal human height um, and which can be rolled up and carry around. And I wonder Lululemon got this idea for the exercise mat. Now get this. When someone leaves a mat in a particular spot, it means that this spot is claimed and occupied. Basically, the mat on the ground is essentially saying, it is my territory. With this information as our background, pick up your mat and walk means that hey, you no longer need to stay at the pool of Bethesda. The lame man is no longer lame. He should move away and establish a new life with his renewed condition. The sickness that he has endured for 38 years is no longer twining him. So just pick up your mat and walk away. But at this point, John finally gives us the most critical piece of information to get a complete picture of the scenario, he said. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Earlier I said that because Jesus did something on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. So what really did Jesus do that made him a target of persecution? Is it because he healed the lame man? But this is obviously not the reason. Because the Jewish leaders did not base their persecution on Jesus' healing of the lame man. Rather, the scriptures tell us, and so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. See here. The Jewish leaders cannot tolerate, what the Jewish leader cannot tolerate was that Jesus asked the layman to carry his mat and walk on a Sabbath day. I know you're thinking that this is ridiculous. But before we judge the Jewish leaders of being unreasonable, we need to put it back into its social and cultural context and understand how important it is to keep Sabbath for the Jews in Jesus' time. In fact, you can never exaggerate how important it is to keep Sabbath for Jews in Jesus' time. Keeping Sabbath is the fourth of the tenth commandment. Exodus 20 says that. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, and the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that it is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." In Jesus' time, the fourth commandment of Sabbath had become over and above most other commandments. and It was definitely the, the commandment that was most strictly observed and practiced. Some Jews, even for the angels, also keep Sabbath on the seventh day of the week. And the reason for Jews to be so strict on keeping Sabbath was that they thought they lost their nation and went into captivity because they had over and over again violated Sabbath. Isaiah 58 gives us a connection between keeping Sabbath and keeping the land. It says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my day, if you call the Sabbath a delightful, and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in the triumph of the height of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. So, later after Isaiah, The kingdom of Judah fell to Babylon and Israelites went into captivity. They lost their land and they lost their inheritance of their father Jacob. Then they tried to reflect on this painful experience and they attributed their constant violation of Sabbath as the main reason. Before the Babylonian captivity, what did the Jews do mostly on Sabbath? Well, obviously, they were going on their own way, doing things as they pleased, or speaking idle words. At the end, they fell apart from God's covenant. Because of this painful experience, keeping Sabbath has become the most typical act to demonstrate your loyalty to God and His covenant at Jesus' time. Therefore, the strict Observing of Sabbath was well intended and was not without theological basis. So we should not discount the Jewish leaders all at once. But unfortunately the Jews in in, in John's Gospel missed something critical about Sabbath. The purpose and the, the end of Sabbath day is to make it holy as in Verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In other words, Sabbath is a day to focus on God and worship Him. This is the end. And the means is that on it you shall not do any work. This is the means by not doing any work. Not doing any work is the means and making it holy is the end. But sadly, Because the Jews had such a phobia of the consequences of Sabbath's violation, they eventually made the means become the ends, making the goal of Sabbath as no work shall be allowed. They had even established a list of 1,560 things not to do on Sabbath. So eventually, the purpose of Sabbath, the ends of Sabbath, had changed from a holy day to a no work allowed day. Because of this background, Jewish leaders tend to impose very severe punishment on people who violate the Sabbath. And obviously, these punishments, severe punishments, were to deter people from committing such a violation so that the nation would not be jeopardized by certain people's wrong action. In such conditions, Not only the Sabbath was swaying away from being a holy day, but it also has become inhuman and suppressive. It has become contradictory to the purpose of God's creation. And it has become contradictory to the purpose of God's salvation. In Jesus' time, Sabbath is defined by the commandment of no work shall be allowed then everyone would need to know what actually, not allowed, what actually constituted work, what action would constitute a violation of Sabbath. Well, they need to know. So I said earlier, the Jewish rabbi had developed a list, of long, super long list of 1,560 things not to do on Sabbath. And the list includes, for example, planting, in which it further includes watering or fertilizing or harvesting. And therefore, Jews won't be drinking water on their lawn on Sabbath. Because if they spill a drop of water on the lawn, it's considered irrigation. It's watering. So maybe drinking Coca-Cola is okay. You're killing your plants. Also, the list includes sowing, stitching, Tying and untying. It also includes writing, drawing, building, or dismantling. They were not even allowed to light a fire. That's why even some modern Jews who who still strictly observe Sabbath would not drive on Sabbath because it involves igniting, which is essentially lighting up a fire. So for those people, they tend to live very near the synagogue. There's one located on Oak Street in 28th Avenue, I think. And on Friday night, you see a lot of people walking into the synagogue. Okay, I have to tell you one more thing that was not allowed to do on Sabbath. It is about transporting one object from one domain to another. It does not include the clothes you wear, but it includes the things you carry. And this is why the Jewish leaders began to persecute Jesus and eventually lead to an order to kill Jesus. It's because Jesus told the lame man to get up, which is okay, but pick up your mat and walk. It is not that Jesus violated Sabbath tradition by ignorance though. No, Jesus knew it well. And he he intended to use this sign to challenge the Jewish twisted tradition of Sabbath. But before I go on, let's reflect on the reaction of the Jewish leaders first. When the Jewish leaders caught this huge lame man walking with a mat on his hand, or carrying on his shoulder, they questioned him right away. And then the huge lame man replied, The man who made me well... Is said the man who made me well yes said to me pick up your match and walk now let's take a look at this statement of the healed lame man more carefully there are two parts two major parts of this statement the man who made me well said to me pick up your match and walk this is verse 11 the two major parts are first the man who made me well someone miraculously healed this layman after a long 38 years of disability. It is a miracle. The man who made me well, someone performed a miracle. And the second part, pick up your mat and walk. This part is what the Jewish leaders considered a violation of the Sabbath. So in this short statement, there is a the miracle, and there is a code violation. Now you tell me, what did the Jewish leaders see and what did they not see? What did they see? The miracle or the code violation? Of course. Obviously, the, the Jewish leaders have totally ignored the amazing miracle performed by Jesus. Right? And they focus only on the alleged Violation. A thirty eight year disability got healed instantly, and these leaders put a blind eye on it. They only want to get rid of Jesus. So they all could all they could see was depart, pick up your mat and walk. We might think that these leaders acted just like any supervillain did. But let's reflect on ourselves. Aren't we all like that too, brothers and sisters? Aren't we all like that too? Don't we tend to let people's weakness or their mistakes catch our attention while the strengths and merits would go unnoticed? Think about when was the last time we give a compliment and when was the last time we give a criticism, whether by mouth or in mind. There are always good and bad in any individual. Which one, the good thing or the bad thing, catches our attention? Which one, the good thing or the bad thing, we are inclined to pay attention on? As, as Jacob, not the Old Testament Jacob, not Father Jacob, but our Jacob, shared a great message with us last week about being an encourager to other people, do we tend to encourage or discourage others? Now let's think about that. What spreads faster and wider? Compliment or criticism? What gets distorted more extensively? Compliment or criticism? Of course it's criticism. A small thing could turn into a really nasty thing after a few rounds of spreading. What have we helped spread more often, brothers and sisters? Good things or bad things? And you know, it is not all our fault. We grew up in a world that teaches us to pay attention on people's wrongs. In my childhood, when I received my examination paper back, only the wrongs were circled in red. When we look at our media, only people's misbehavior or misconducts are being reported extensively. And and you know what, we we can't only blame that on our tiger parents. Maybe inside our sinful nature, we like to focus on the weakness or mistakes of other people because it might make us feel more superior. We may not even be aware of our judgmental behavior. But because the culture is like that, the norm is like that, and we are being treated like that. But brothers and sisters, we need to know that we are called to counter-culture, not conforming to the culture. Gospel is many times anti-norm. We cannot let ourselves to be hyper-critical, like overly critical, because as these Jewish leaders showed in the Gospel, hyper-critical could lead to hypocritical, which is the characteristics of the Pharisees or the Jewish leaders In the Gospel. I hope in a statement like the lame man, we could see the man who made me well before we see, pick up your mat and walk. Unfortunately, the Jewish leaders could only see what they think was a violation of Sabbath by Jesus. So the Scripture goes on and tells us. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. These things, now we know, refer to Jesus commanding the, the healed lame man to carry the mat and walk. Then, in his defense, verse 17, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Now, here we need to ask this crucial question Does God work? On Sabbath? In the Jewish perspective, does God work on Sabbath? For Jews. Even though God finished his work of creation on the seventh day, as stated uh, in Genesis 2, they still believe that God never ceased working to maintain the universe he created. Jews believe that God is still working even on Sabbath because of three reasons. One is rain. It rains. It could rain on Sabbath day. And Jews see it as God watering the world, including the lawn. And second, births. they are babies born on Sabbath. So God still works to give life on Sabbath. And third, death. There are always people die on Sabbath. You cannot legislate to forbid people from dying. And death is seen as God taking back or even God dismantling. As for transporting one object from one domain to another, Jews also saw God working on Sabbath, God transporting things. Cosmic movement, the sun, the moon, the stars, tidal changes, climate changes, All this would happen on Sabbath. So the Jews understand that God is above Sabbath. God is not restricted by Sabbath. God will never violate Sabbath because Sabbath requirement does not apply to God. And it is this theological basis of the Jews that Jesus formulated His response. My Father Is always at his work to this very day, which the Jewish leader agreed, and then he said, And I am working too. When the Jewish leader accused Jesus for working on Sabbath, Jesus defended himself by saying, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. It seems that the more Jesus trying to defend himself, the more he gets himself into trouble. And it is this very statement of Jesus that prompted the Jewish leaders to kill him. Let's take a look at what this statement of Jesus really means. First, from the Old Testament to Jesus' time, no one in Israel dared to call God my Father. It's okay to call call God our Father, or their Father, or Father. But my Father is specified an exclusive relationship. It means that only Jesus has this relationship to Jews. This is a misuse of God's name and which violates the third commandment. Then, Jesus said that His Father is always at work, so He too is working. What Jesus meant and what the Jewish leaders would understand is that if Jesus' Father is about Sabbath, then He too is above Sabbath. If God's working is not in violation of Sabbath, then His work too is not in violation of Sabbath. Are you getting what I'm saying? What Jesus claimed here is that He is equal to God the Father. He is also the Lord of Sabbath. In short, Jesus is claiming that He is God. And by now, you should know why the Jewish leaders would feel so urged to get rid of Jesus. Because all they could see, not the miracle, all they could see was Jesus blaspheming God. In today's sign number four of John's Gospel, the revelation was getting clearer and deeper than the first three. Through the healing and the commanding to pick up your mat and walk, Jesus was showing to the world that He is the only begotten Son of God and He is equal to God the Father. And who else? Who else other than the only begotten Son of God that would qualify to save mankind from sin? But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. But this one and only Son, this begotten Son came to that which was his own, but, but his own did not receive him. The healed but ungrateful layman eventually betrayed Jesus, the healer. In order to avoid trouble from the Jewish leaders, this man would rather let Jesus take the blame. This guy told me so. Get him. The Jewish leaders also, he, they cannot accept Jesus' proclamation. So they decided to get rid of Him. Now my challenge to you today is, be a grateful person. Be always grateful of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do for us. Because if not for His gracious salvation for us, we would still be hopelessly helpless. Be grateful to the people who love us. but we don't necessarily deserve their love. And be grateful to the people who might pose challenges to us. Because a grateful spirit would help us to see both the good and the bad in a more objective perspective. Instead of being blinded by our frustration, anger, and resentment. May you all be cheered up by our uplifting Holy Spirit. So that you can be renewed, restored, and revived. Let us all pray together. Father, God of the universe, you are over all, through all, and in all. And in your greatness and goodness, you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus, to become one of us. To live like one of us, to struggle like one of us, and to die like one of us. But through his resurrection and victory over death, all of us who belong to Him will forever live like Him, who enjoy the victory just like Him. And as we continue to live on earth, may Your Gospel empower us to be good witness to Jesus, that in Your mercy and grace we will live a life worthy of the calling we have received. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen.